You're listening to the Gordon Damer Show podcast on 98.7 ESPN. Yes, away we go, off and running on this Saturday. Back running on a Saturday morning, just when you wondered what happened to What's-His-Face. What's-His-Face is back. Yes, it is the Gordon Damer Show on a Saturday once again. It has been a while, I guess, what, over six months, but good to be back. Of course, uh, we take you up until 9 o'clock, the Gordon Damer Show, 98.7 FM, ESPN New York. What looks like it's going to be an amazing September Saturday. Looks like it's going to be a, a beautiful weekend. So maybe a little bit more uh, return to normalcy. Back with you on Saturday morning for the next two hours. And, of course, the number you know, 1-800-919-ESPN. My uh, Twitter, Instagram, at Gordon Damer, as always. And uh, super excited to be back, right? After all, if there was a point in time in terms of sports where you'd want to be back on for two hours on a Saturday, this is the best time of the year, right? Even in 2020, especially in 2020. This year you got the NBA playoffs going on in September. You don't usually get that. They tell me the Stanley Cup final still going on. I've not really been focused on it. i got to be honest. If that's your thing, more power to you. But this is when you have the best time of year, right? Some people will say it's March with the tournament. But to me, this is the best time of the year because this is when you get the most important baseball of the year to go along with the start of the NFL season where everybody, well, with some exceptions, we'll get to them in a little bit, seems like they're in it, right? How bad do you have to be to feel like you're out of an NFL season two games into an NFL season? So the best baseball the start of football, that's the dynamic duo. That's the best one-two punch you can find. All due respect to uh, Batman and Robin. All due respect to Cheech and Chong. That, that's the, the dynamic duo. Football, baseball, together. And, of course, it's great to be back. Now, if I had any slight, slight little gripe, could the return on Saturday morning not have happened after watching that Yankee performance last night? I mean, the return has to happen after that? That was brutal. That was awful to watch. That, oof, ah, that was bad. I mean, you sit down, you're excited, you know, playoffs right around the corner, final weekend of the regular season. The Yankees got to flip that switch now. Don Mattingly's in the Bronx. The Marlins are looking for a play. But here we go, Yankees. And it was like, boom, right off the bat, you're losing. And uh, while things, I guess, got better from there because Jay Happ settled down and and pitched quite well. And the pitching, not really an issue last night. But five double plays. The Yankees ended to five double plays. They make four errors. You have a game where you give up three hits and still lose in a game that was, you know, let's be honest, that was an important game. These are important games for the Yankees. And the numbers, oh my lord, it's getting ugly, people. 15 errors in the last eight games. In the last five games, they've made 10 errors and hit zero home runs. That's not a winning formula. You don't need to be Bill James to know a whole bunch of errors and no home runs. That's not good. But I guess, first off, congratulations to the Marlins for making the playoffs you know, going from, what was it, 105 losses last year to the playoffs. I know it's a weird year. It's a wacky year. It's only 60 games. But that actually has provided more obstacles rather than fewer obstacles. Uh, you know, the Marlins, uh, I think it's 18 players. Yeah, 18 players missed a month 
because of COVID-19. And yet they still found a way to make it into the playoffs. So whatever excuses for all the teams that are not in the playoffs, even for 60 games and a wacky year, you know, the, the, the extra inning rules, seven inning doubleheaders, take a look at the Mar- I mean, the Marlins in the last two weeks, the Marlins have played 18 games. They have played four doubleheaders in the last two weeks, and they got to New York apparently like 5.30 yesterday morning, and yet they showed more life than the Yankees. So congratulations to them. Congratulations to their players. Don Mattingly, congratulations to him. Going to be the National League Manager of the Year almost certainly. You know, if you're a Yankee fan of a certain age, hard to, hard to root against Donnie Baseball. But the Yankees, woof, that one, yikes. And I got to be honest with you. When they flipped the switch the last time, right, lost 15 to 20, and then they go out and win 10 in a row, you, you feel better, right? You're like, all right, good. I'm, I'm glad to see they are good, right? Because you were starting to wonder. And it's great to be back on track. But at the same time, when they won the, all the games in a row, I was like, well, you know, I'd like to cool off. You know, I don't want to go into the playoffs too, too hot because then you know what's going to happen. The playoffs are going to start and nobody's going to hit and the pitching's going to be bad and they're going to be a bunch of errors. But I want them to cool off some. Is there anything in between winning every game and the Bad News Bears. Can we find some sort of middle ground? I like to uh, believe that I'm someone who brings people together. That's what I like to do. You know, let's find the common ground. Some people are very polarizing. Me? Who doesn't like me? So I like to try and find that middle ground. And the Yankees apparently have no middle ground. It's either five home runs or an inning or five errors in a game. It's, it's almost like they've taken that home run or nothing philosophy and they've somehow morphed that into how they play the entire game, right? Like either they're the greatest team on the planet or they're kicking it around like they've never played before. And last night, wow, that was, that was just a frustrating game to watch. And it was like every way they could make it more frustrating, right? Like you get finally tie the game you think all right you just need one hit here let's uh, let's get it, let's get it going right the offense has been dead all night let's get a couple of base runners on here get a base hit and uh, win a game even though you've not played all that well you've not played all that sharp and but last night it was the offense and the errors the yankees have been playing i think it's 117 or 118 years whatever they had never had a game with four errors and hit into five double plays before that stat courtesy of uh, kt sharp um, so, I mean, that, that, that's, uh, that, that's a lot of history to think of all the games that that entails. And they'd never done that before. And the defense Torres, another error. Now that one, I don't think it ended up hurting them. Uh, Sanchez with the catcher's interference or Shella even had Gio or Shella made an error. We'll let him off with a warning. Uh, and then Higashioka supposed to be the defensive guy behind the plate. And he blows an easy one. Baseball 101. So, look, the offense is a problem right now. And let's be clear. Before the playoffs start, we all go our separate ways and everybody gets on this thing or that thing. The offense is what drives the Yankees. And the offense is why they have not gone further in the postseason the last three years. All the talk about aces and starting pitching and bullpen and Aaron Boone and this decision or that decision it really comes down to coming up with hits in key spots and big names going cold. That 
has been the problem. So the fact that the offense all of a sudden is going cold, and I mean, you want, I mean, I got more than enough scary numbers for you. I mean, I already gave you some. So now the best the Yankees can do is fifth, right? So they're not going to be playing the best of three at the stadium. And when you take a look at the home road splits for the Yankees, I know it's 60 games and it's a bizarre season and a lot of the guys have been missing time. So it's not really, maybe you can't judge it like you would in an ordinary year, right? The game's play total is going to be much lower. But the Yankees, individual players at home, they're Superman. On the road, they are not Superman. I mean, Judge has always kind of been that way, but you go through all the big bats. Luke Voigt at the stadium, slash line 351, 385, slugging of 800. On the road, not so much. 212, 229, a slugging of 394. Glaber Torres at home, looks like Glaber Torres, 316, 418, 421. On the road, 194, gets on base. 31% of the time, slugging of 347. Clint Frazier at home, he's Superman. At, at, at the stadium, he's Superman. On the road, he's the Superman. What was the guy's name? Brandon Routh? What was the, the Superman? I mean, there's been so many Superman movies. The one that was really bad, that was really like kind of tanked. That's, that's Clint Frazier on the road, unfortunately. I love Clint Frazier. I, I was so happy to see him snap that bat over his knee. I would do that in regular life if I thought I wouldn't injure myself. But it was good to see a little frustration last night. God knows I was sitting there frustrated. I'm sure you were sitting there frustrated. I mean, even our beloved patron saint of base hits, DJ LeMayhew, on, at home, uh, unbelievable. On the road, still good but uh, not nearly what he is at the stadium. So you got to have to kind of hope that the offense figures this out over the next couple of days. The defensive issues, I think you just got to kind of live with because those have popped up. It's almost, again, it's almost like the home run or nothing philosophy. Either the Yankee defender is like above average or a stellar defender. Like to me, Urshela is a stellar. I mean, last night you watch all the plays that he made. LeMahieu, you can throw him anywhere. He's going to make good plays defensively. Judge in right field is above average defense. Even Frazier, even Frazier, who had all those, it was almost like defensive yips last year after dealing with the concussion and just, I mean, he couldn't uh, play a ball in the outfield. This year, he's been very solid defensively. And I'm sure, I don't, I'm not taking a look at the, uh, the, the metrics, but I think he's above average defensively in the outfield this year. The problem is, that's half the team. And the problem is, the other half, they're below average. Like, Glaber has become an issue at short, right? I mean, he's been an issue there. Sanchez, we've gone down that road. Let's not uh, – we don't have the detail. I mean, we've got two hours, but let's not all spend it on that. Uh, Voight, you know, he's not going to remind anybody of Donnie Baseball uh, at first base with the glove. And even Aaron Hicks, who in the past was one of those real plus defenders, has had a very strange season – in uh, in center field. So, look, the Yankees with lots of issues right now, not much time to fix them. And I would simply say, just looking at where things are, like everybody on the broadcast last night on Yes, Michael and, and, and Cohn and uh, Paul O'Neill were all talking about, you know, especially after the game, how do you turn this around? What, what do you do defensively to kind of turn this around in such a short period of time? I would say for myself, as things stand right now, 
over the next two days, uh, I'd almost rather you don't fix it right now. Why is that? Because right now, as things are lined up, the Yankees, as the fifth seed, would play the Indians. Uh, and uh, if you were going to the food counter and they offered you the Indians as the, uh, as the option, what else do you got? Because I'd really rather not, especially, look, any team in a three-game series could win or lose, but the Indians are not really the team I would, ra- I would want to face right now, right? Like Shane Bieber is the lock Cy Young this year in the American League. Uh, Carlos Carrasco in uh, September, his ERA is under two. He's given up one home run. That's not uh, that's not an appealing option there. So, and the White Sox, I would rather play the White Sox. I know the Twins are the are the um, are going to win probably the Central, but I'd rather face them even with the, the 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 past success you've had against them, or even the White Sox, who've really been scuffling lately. I know that they've been you know one of the big stories of baseball this year. So uh, that uh, the Yankees and Indians is not a maybe it's ninety seven and the uh, the uh, flashbacks to 97 that um or excuse me yeah 97 right yeah it was 97 sandy Olimar. so i i don't want that to, i don't want a replay of that no thank you very much so the yankees lots of things to work on and not a lot of time to work on them and you know what the american league this year it's not like the national league right like the dodgers are the overwhelming favorite in the national league this year hey, look if the break Again, it's going to be a weird postseason, so you're not going to say any team is a lock, but the, the Dodgers are the, the, the heavy favorite, right? Uh, if it's not the Dodgers or Braves, it would be kind of surprising. Uh, the American League, any team can win, right? Like, I, I guess I would kind of exclude the Blue Jays, but, you know, they could hit with anybody, and, and who knows? They certainly could win a first-round series. Any team in the American League could win a first-round series and, and get on a run from there. Uh, and this year, the American League, if you're a Yankee fan, you think to yourself, well, we could beat anybody. But the, with the way they're playing right now, they could certainly lose to anybody, too. So lots of things to fix and uh, not a lot of time to fix them. So, all right, 1-800-919-ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. Coming up, we'll get uh, some phone calls involved. And uh, we have a lot of stuff to talk about today and two hours to do so. Now, I'm not going to lie to you. I don't sugar. I like to bring things. I, I like to bring people together. But I'm not going to sugarcoat. I'm not going to lie to your face. Uh, most of the conversation today is going to be focused on awful things. <laughs> it's just kind of the degree of awful. We got the Mets awful season to, to talk about, which is somehow seemingly still alive. No, no, uh, no credit to the Mets for keeping it alive. It was the other teams keeping it alive last night. But we got to talk about uh, the Giants. We got to talk about week three in the NFL. We, I mean, at some point, I guess we got to kind of Work the Jets into the conversation. Yeah, that's, ooh, yikes. How's that football season going? Oh, my God. You're listening to the Gordon Damer Show podcast on 98.7 ESPN. Look, I'm not telling you that the season is lost. It's, it seems like every time that things go poorly for the Yankees, it's like everybody's running around with their head cut off. It's like they're screaming, it's a cookbook, it's a cookbook. But there are reasons to be concerned. And the fact that the offense is not clicking again, and and just it just feels like this year the Yankees can't find any any middle ground. It's either great or it's awful. And you know you just take I know it's only sixty games, but you just take a look at how they've played, right? Like if you're at a hundred or you're at zero, either it's then then you're just mediocre, right? And and you take a look. The Yankees so far this year, if you take out what was it, Boston, 
if you take out Baltimore and you take out the National Series and you just go with the other teams that they played, they're, they're I mean, if all right, say take the Rays out, right? Take that the, the really good team out. Against everybody else, they're 500. Two and two, three and three, two and two, five and five. And that, uh, so look, I'm not telling you that they can't win a, the three-game series. I'm not telling you they can't get on a run. But with as hot and cold as they've been, it seems unlikely at this point that they are going to, for some stretch of time, two, three weeks or whatever it is, that they're going to all of a sudden, that's when they're going to find the consistent play. Let's hope so. But it's kind of hard to envision that right now as we sit here on a uh, Saturday morning. All right, 1-800-919-ESPN is the phone number. Let's get some calls involved. Eddie is in Brooklyn. Eddie, what's going on, my friend? Hey, good morning, Gordon. I'm starting to feel about this Yankee team the same way. The, um, you remember the Braves in the 90s? They had all those good teams, but they they could never re- – they won, like, really one World Series. Like for, like, yeah, 95 they won, right? Uh, yeah, I think – I'm starting to feel like this Yankee team might be that type of team, man, because, like – they just don't seem to be able to get over the hump, you know. They might be that team that's good enough, you know, like every year, but never really win the World Series or never make it to the World Series. Yeah, you know, the thing is, is this year, it's kind of hard to judge. You know, you take a look at the names and you take a look at, uh, as they say, the back of the baseball card. They got a lot of good players, a lot of great players, but, uh, you know, you can you can chalk it up to injuries for some period of time, but now – at the end of the day, everybody knew going in at 60 games. So that's what you're going to get end up getting judged on. So I don't think that it's fair. You know, the Yankees have had roadblocks. Every team has roadblocks. So it's about performing in the moment. And they have in some stretches, but not at any level of consistency. And, when, and that's kind of what you need when you get into the postseason to kind of get hot at the right time. And with two games left before the postseason – if there was ever a time to hit the switch, now would be a good time to at least locate the switch because it doesn't seem like uh, it's going to come anytime soon. Um, All right, Eddie. You still there? Yeah, I'm here. But you know what? Um, 60 game, 100 and something, everybody has the same opportunity, so you got to make Absolutely. the best of it. You know? Oh, look, and, and, and Eddie, thanks for the call, man. Uh, and then look, the Marlins, uh, I'm not telling you that if they played 162 games, the Marlins would have been in the mix. But that's not everybody knew the rules before we played, and for the Marlins to overcome all the, I mean, you know, they missed basically like a month and had to make up those games. And as I said, they played 18 games in the last two weeks. They played four double headers in the last two weeks, so they were able to overcome it. And you just got to have to overcome whatever obstacles are placed in front of you. And again, season's not lost. They can still, there's still time to wake up. And I agree with Aaron Boone. It's really about the Yankees fixing the Yankees. They have more than enough uh, weapons in their arsenal to suddenly get hot and get on a run. And generally, it's really in baseball, it's just about getting into the tournament. And, you know, it's very hit or miss. It's not usually, you know, I'd say probably over the last 10, 15 years, it's usually about 50 50 of whether or not the best team. Make some deep. Sometimes they do. Sometimes they don't. It's all about individual playoff series. And this year, at the best of three, it's just I take a look at all the different things. The fact the Yankees on the road, not as good as at home. The fact that they've been hot and cold. They've not really hit that. You know, they they won all those games in a row, but it's not like they've ever really found any level of consistency. And just individual guys as well that have really struggled all year. Now some of them have been hurt, but they're back, 
and uh, they've, it, it's still not clicked. So it is, it is concerning for what you would hope. And you look at the team, you look at the lineup, you look at the, the rotation, you look at the talent. It should be a team that's drawn up to make a deep playoff run. And as things stand right now, it doesn't feel like that's uh, right around the corner. Let's go to Spike in Jersey. Spike, what's up, man? Welcome back to Saturdays. And on the rundown, you might as well include Ozark of negative things for you. Yeah, no, I mean that that was a little while ago now. Yeah, I mean I think that might have been the last time that we were on on a Saturday. Yeah, and everybody yeah, grieving about that. Oof, it was. Where the hell did the time go, man? I tell you, you get to the point of life and you turn around and the days go slowly and the months go fast. Anyway, look, I'm not as um, concerned perhaps as you sound, and I'll tell you why. If you look at the, uh, you always cite the slash line and. Um, and, and it's dramatic home and away this year. It always used to be dramatic where Coors Field, remember? It always mm-hmm. was dramatic, except for LeMayu. And I, I'm watching the game, flipping back and forth last night, and I'm watching the game. And I, I said, if I had the means to contact you, how much would you put on whatever service you use in New Jersey that you'd want LeMayu up there with the bases loaders? Unequivocally, you would Absolutely, no question. First, okay. The first guy you'd pick. Right. First, maybe the first guy in the majors right now you would pick. That's not stretching. And it happens. You know, it happens. I just think I, I use the same expressions we all do. We all revert back to our, our expressions, and I'll play them in the parking lot. We went over this one morning at 540 with you, I called, and Tanaka, you recited at 9 to 10 starts, one point something. Cole looks like he's on his game. I understand that you have to play a lot of games in a short period of time, but I looked what he did last night, Boone. Yeah, Boone, I'm in and out with. He's, he looks like a great guy, really a great family guy and everything. But I looked at it last night, and he brought the relievers in. They all look pretty good, you know? I, I don't know what to expect, but I'll take my chances because history tells me pitching is, is, is what you need. But the question I'm doubting with the Yankees is whenever you step up in company against better pitching, and it's been shown historically – that it's a little tougher to hit, obviously. Teams are there. So let's take our chances. I can't wait for the playoffs to start because I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I, look, uh, the, the fun quotient is determined, and Spike, thanks for the call. It, it's determined on how, how long you run, right? Like, if, you, if you're out after that three games, it's not going to feel like the Yankees were – any team that's out after those three games, it's not going to feel like you were even in the postseason. So uh, they, I know that they changed the rules this year, so it's going to be a completely – and you'd have to say this year is probably going to be the toughest one to win, right? An extra round of playoffs, the fact that you're not going to have any off days, you're going to have to use your entire roster. So that makes it more difficult, too. Uh, look, as I said, when they won the 10 in a row, I didn't want them to go into the playoffs like that red hot, but I'd like to find some sort of middle ground if I could. I'd feel better about things if there was some sort of middle ground. It doesn't really feel like with the Yankees there is. Uh, let's go to Simon in New Haven. Simon, what's up? Hi, Gordon. How are you? I'm good, man. Uh, I don't know what's going on with this, 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 this lack of hitting here. This is ridiculous, man. I mean, how hard can it be to hit a baseball? I mean, these pitchers work the you-know-what's uh, off every day, Gordon. It's the, Simon, respect, it's the hard, you know, like the, I don't want to use, like, cliches, but it really is the hardest thing to do in sports. I mean, hitting a round I mean, ball you, with you a know, round ball. You know what it is, if you don't mind my saying so. It's Gardner, man. I mean, he's so fond of ping-ponging. I mean, look, look who else is doing it. Higashioka popped up. Uh, Hicks is doing it. Wait, I mean, what is the upside? I wish somebody would ask Boone too 
questions. What is the obsession with grounding out and popping up all the time? And is Boone the manager of a baseball team or a Forrest Gump ping pong team? I mean, Gordon, these pitchers need some respect and run support. That's why they're tired. That's why Boone made an excuse like Girardi did. Well, Tanaka's tired. Well, they're tired because they need some run support and respect. Not to be on the Forrest Gump ping pong team. They've got to hit the ball. All right, Simon, thank you for the phone call. Look, uh, we've been away from Saturday mornings for a very long time, and I'm thinking about uh, taking another sabbatical from Saturday mornings. No, uh, look, Aaron Boone, uh, would, I, I'm sure, I don't want to speak for, for, for the manager of the Yankees, I'm sure that he would prefer that they didn't ground out and strike out. I'm, I'm, I think he'd probably prefer they hit home runs, but they're not doing that right now. So uh, there's, there's fair criticism, there's unfair criticism of Aaron Boone. Uh, the, the unfair criticism of Aaron Boone is uh, is uh, demanding that he uh, you know figures out a way to get the Yankees to hit. <laughs> How dare you? How dare you insult the manager of your team by grounding out? No, it's very frustrating, and sometimes uh, frustration uh, takes its forms in, uh, in in different ways for different people. All right, 1-800-919-ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. Coming up, more of your phone calls. We'll get to more of those involved. But uh, you know what? Let's get to a, a little bit on the Mets, too, while we can, right? It's 7-whatever-it-is-right-now, 7-28. We still have time, while the Mets are mathematically still involved in the playoffs, to at least touch on it. By 9 o'clock, you never know, right? Like, it's a weird year. It's a weird... And those those playoff hopes, whatever that was left, I don't know, what is it, What like 1.9% now or something like that? Let's get to them. Before it spoils, before it turns, we'll get into them coming up as well. Because, again, like we said with the Yankees, everybody knew the rules going in. And you can give whatever, ah, it's 60 games, it's all these weird rules. Missing the playoffs this year is an abject failure. And the fact that the Mets, not yet officially, but certainly seems that way, are going to miss the playoffs this year is an abject failure. So we'll touch on that uh, and kind of tie the Mets in with the Jets. We'll figure out a way to do that. Oh, I'm a master at it. It's amazing. It's amazing the things I can do. You're listening to the Gordon Damer Show podcast on 98.7 ESPN. Baseball, the most important baseball games, and the start of the NFL season. And for some teams, not many, I would say there's just one. It already seems like the end uh, of the season. The season's already lost. But that combination, that's the best combination, right? You get the big baseball games, the playoffs are right around the corner, and you get the football starting up, NFL Sundays, what's better than that? You know what's a weird combination? Watching the Yankee, the amount of TikTok ads that there are at a Yankee game, it's a very strange, I would not, I am on, I, I look at TikTok, and my kids are on it, so I kind of have to monitor it to some degree, I'm on there a lot. It doesn't seem like that that would be that does that that combination did not seem like a natural fit to me. I got to be honest. But all right, so we've talked about the Yankees. We'll continue to do so. 1-800-919-ESPN. We'll talk about obviously the football probably in that second hour as we take you up until nine o'clock, and we'll do uh, net picks and chill the uh, Saturday staple that uh, has moved to Fridays with uh, no Saturday show here for the last couple of months. But we'll get it back into it at probably 8.30. So, but I did want to touch on the Mets. Because the Mets, let's do it before it's, before the food spoils, let's uh, finally get back in there. So the Mets are still, as you wake up on this Saturday morning, they're still mathematically alive. Uh, the Padres beat the Giants last night. So the that keeps the Mets alive. It's not like the Mets did anything to help the Mets it was the Padres that helped them. The Padres are so good, they're not only helping themselves, they're helping the Mets too. 
good good for the the San Diego Padres. But for the Mets, it's it's like the tombstone that uh, you ever. It's kind of morbid, but you ever be standing in a cemetery and you see like a tombstone of somebody you don't know, and they have the the date of birth, but they the person hasn't died yet, but they've already bought the plot and it it doesn't have the date of death yet. So the Mets, it's just a matter of of chiseling that in. The second number is coming; it's coming for all of us, but we don't know what that number is yet. So Mets fans have kind of are not only resigned to that fact, I think. But they're excited because the Wilpons are going to be moving on. Steve Cohen's coming in. Sandy Alderson's coming back. And the Mets are now going to be, you would like to think, they will now be run as a functional baseball team, right? Like, unlike what they have been over the last, what, 10 years? When was the Madoff thing? 2007? Longer than that, right? They were going to finally... Uh, and I think Met fans are now of the belief money fixes there. It's amazing. For forever, it was like, ah, the Yankees, they buy their titles. Then they get the opportunity to have, oh, he's the richest guy. They lo- All of a sudden, it's a, the shoe's on the other foot. But let's not get too far away from what the present day. Let's. I know that they, you want to focus on the future and, and focus on down the road, but let's let's just take a look at where we are right now. And where we are right now for the Mets is that this year, is a disaster. All kudos to, to Mike Vaccaro of the New York Post, who had the, uh, the column the other day. It, it doesn't seem like that that has been a focus, that missing out on the playoffs this year. And I get it. I said it before. 60 games, weird year, all the dopey rules, the seven-inning doubleheaders, all fair. But everyone knew the rules before we played the game. And in a year where you miss the playoffs when more than half the teams make it, that is is an epic failure. All you needed, especially in the National League this year, was one really good week. You basically couldn't play your way out of contention. You couldn't do it. You'd win some games here and there, but it's amazing. In a year where all you needed was one really good week, the Mets really never had that one really good... Forget about a playoff push. They never made a playoff nudge. And it's a failure for all the teams. The Phillies, if they miss, it's a failure for them. The Angels, huge failure, and it's a failure for the Mets. But here's the thing. You can point to one decision that really kind of tells you over the last couple of years. The Mets' decision, the Wilpons' decision to go with Brody Van Wagenen. To me, all who's the guy who's right now in the hot seat? Uh, more so than anybody else. It's Adam Gase, right? Every single show, every single host, every single caller seems like they're all focused on Adam Gase. And, and look, rightfully so. The Jets have been uh, a failure. I mean, it's, it's, it's amazing how bad they have been so far this year. Uh, so I'm not going to run down all the moves that Brody has made again. But in terms of Adam Gase getting hired by the Jets and all the focus and anger about that, the decision to go with the Mets decision to go with Brody was a far more egregious case of self-sabotage than even the Jets hiring of Adam Gase. As much of a disaster as Gase has been, and it certainly seems like the disaster is going to come to an end sooner rather than later unless things turn around in very quick order. But at least Gase when he was it wasn't a deep resume maybe, but it, it, it included things, right? It included he was applying for the job that he already had and was applying for with the Jets, right? He had taken a team to the playoffs. 
Now, he that was it. I mean, his, his quarterback was hurt a lot in Miami on that job. And there's a level of dysfunction with Miami that's kind of on par with the Jets. Now, and he had the, the year with Peyton Manning that he can, you know, <laughs> and, and certainly has used to, to his advantage. Now, I think it's fair to say that those are not those those positives are not enough to overcome the negatives, but at least there are some positives. Brody has ne- never had done the job before, and the jump from agent to GM only would have made sense if you were going to jump in to spending free spending, right? Shooting the locks off the wallet and, and getting into the free agent market. And the other separation that you'd have to say this is complete, it cannot even be argued. It really doesn't matter who the Jets coach would have been. Like, if they would have went in another direction, I don't think that anyone who took over that situation was going to turn it around in short order. Now, you would have felt, I think there were people that you would have felt better about moving forward. I don't think anyone could have been possibly worse and based on the results so far. But I don't think anybody was going to come in and overnight turn that situation into a, you know, a, I don't think anyone in year two would have been going in and saying, you know what, the, the Jets, they're going to be a playoff team this year. It still was going to be a rebuilding situation. The Mets, on the other hand, did have a, uh, you know, it's election season, a path to victory, if you will. You know, Jacob DeGrom and an offense that scores runs, and it was just simply needing some tweaks. A little move here and a little move there. And it's almost like, um, you ever watch a movie and it's terrible, but you're like, ah, you know what, there was a good movie in there somewhere, right? Like they have a big star, it was a decent idea, and then just somewhere they lost the plot. Like uh, the example I use uh, generally, Unbreakable, right? Bruce Willis, Samuel L. Jackson. It had a good plot twist. Uh, the concept was good, but it just uh, didn't really work. It was too long. You know, somewhere along, it just, it, did, it just didn't work. It was okay, but there was a good movie in there to be made, and the person, uh, who was it, M. Night Shyamalan, just uh, it, didn't, it didn't work. That's kind of like the Mets. They had some big stars. They had a decent uh, concept, but the person running the show wasn't able to pull it off. And, and, and there, was, there was something to be pulled off there. So it's great to be looking forward to uh, Steve Cohen. It's great to have Sandy Alderson back. And it's nice that now we'll actually have two, it seems like, two professional baseball teams that are going to be run as professional baseball teams. But that does not excuse the current situation, which missing the playoffs in a year, again, where more than half of the teams make the playoffs, there's no other way to describe it than that is a epic fail. Epic fail. You're listening to the Gordon Damer Show podcast on 98.7 ESPN. I also would like some advice. Legal advice, I guess, but also just, um, you know, just good or bad advice. Like, is it the right thing or wrong thing to do with my fantasy football dilemma? And that is, you know, somebody in my town is running for office. They're looking for our vote. He happens to be in a league that I'm in. And would it be wrong to, you know, I don't know. I have not really looked at his roster, but let's just say, again, hypothetically, he had Ezekiel Elliott. And uh, I have uh, Chris Herndon. 
And if I were to propose a trade, not in so many words to say, uh, you do this for me, I do this for this, but if I were just to float it out there, I think it's kind of assumed, right? Would that be wrong to do so? And more importantly, would I be uh, violating any laws? I don't want to, look, I do not have a look that would work well in prison. So uh, I don't want to be going to, you know, nobody is uh, commuting my sentence. Let's put it that way. Denzel is in the Bronx. He has some advice for me. Denzel. Yes, yes. Good, uh, good morning, sir. Good morning, Gordon. How are you? Um, I'm fine. Thank you. First time caller. So here's the thing. Um, I don't have legal advice, but okay. um, in my opinion, um, I don't know if your league would uh, allow a lopsided um, deal. The, the, the other um, uh, participants may not allow that. They may see, right. find, find it fishy. So that's number one. Yeah. But number, but number two, more on you, right? Why would mm-hmm. you want to support someone who's willing to be bought? You know, well, because it would help me in the short term, Denzel. I mean, that's really what I'm about. I'm, a look, I'm, I'm looking to uh, bo- look every year. You think the giant season ends quickly. My fantasy football season ends so fast it make your head spin. Uh, so even in a little rinky-dink league where the, the entry fee is not that much, I'm just looking to boost my odds one year. You know, one moment in time, like Whitney Houston sang. And I get what you're saying about the, the, other, the other owner. Yes. Oh, my God, Whitney. Yes, of course. <laughs> Yeah, but, but you, don't want that, you don't want that kind of guy in office in your in your town. Well, look, it's only one vote, right? There's a chance if uh, there's a chance. I don't think I'm going to swing the vote on you know the, the the person that gets in or not based on that one vote. But <laughs> you know what I mean. And and I hear what you're saying. The other owners wouldn't like it, but I I'm a big believer in the uh, philosophy. It's better to ask forgiveness than permission, right? Like what? Is, yes, obviously, wow. if I ask permission. Everybody, if I floated this to everybody else, they would be very upset by this. But sometimes it's better to just ask for forgiveness. People are much more willing to give you forgiveness than they are permission. That's that's the way I operate sometimes, Denzel. Okay, teach his own. All right. You all the best. Thank you, my friend. All right, Denzel. Thanks for checking in with us. All right. So I get. I look. We we put it off as long as we can. And it's it's the question of the week. How is everyone enjoying the jet season so far? What? You can't say that on the radio. I mean, in a word, I think you have to say is wow. Just wow. Even, even by jet standards. Even by the expectations coming into this season. I mean, remember when Joe Douglas was upset the low expectations? The low expectations were still too high. Stories about Joe Douglas and the expectations, those are going to be buried right now. Remember when there were stories about Matt Patricia being a rocket scientist? <laughs> Remember that? Yeah, I don't think you're going to see any of those anytime soon. Although, who know, you know, with the way things are going in Detroit, he might, he might need that. Clear out the resume. Uh, the NFL right now through two weeks, and I think this is the case coming into the year two, but it feels like it's the Chiefs, it's the Ravens, and it's everyone else. But really... From a New York perspective, it's the Chiefs, it's the Ravens, everyone else, and then the Jets. That's how bad they have been. The fact that after everything, over the last 50 years, people can still wonder if this is as bad as it's been, considering how bad it's already been. It's like a story that tells, well, we were homeless, we were starving, we were freezing cold, our car broke down, we got robbed, and then, then it got bad. Then it got bad? Gee, I mean, completely unprepared, completely uncompetitive. It was almost like they were unaware a game was about to be played. I mean, the first week, 
The Bills did more to keep the Jets in the game than the Jets did to keep the Jets in the game. And then in week two, it was like the field turf at MetLife did more to slow down the 49ers than the Jets did. Unless, you know, are we sure the Jets team plane will not fly to the wrong city this week? I mean, wow, it has been just that bad. That is not hyperbole. And, of course, much of the um, criticism, much of the focus has been obviously on the head coach, Adam Gase, who is now the numbers. I mean, the numbers are not good. 20 and 30 in his past 50 games. With the Jets, the Jets have scored under 20 points in 12 of the 18 games that he played. After week one, uh, Mike Greenberg, Greeny, who you can hear right here on 98 points. I mean, he's everywhere, but he's here as well, 98.7 FM ESPN New York, uh, at 1 o'clock, right? Is it 1 o'clock? Had that great rant after one week, the first week, about you know the Jets have scored this many touchdowns and punted this many times. Well, I, little old me, have uh, taken the liberty, if I can, to update the stat. It, it's not hard because they only scored the one touchdown last week, so it goes from 33 to 34. And I can't remember how many punts, but the punting is now up to 98. And keep in mind, like Adam Gase, his, his task, his only task, the reason he was hired almost exclusively was to deal with the quarterback, to establish the quarterback, to nurture the quarterback. And, and nobody, like, it's not like any, if the Jets' defense is bad, does anybody criticize Adam Gase really? No, they generally criticize Greg Williams. He avoids blame on that, and he's the head coach. And think of all the shows on our station, right? Has anyone, anywhere, and I'm talking hosts, I'm talking guests, I'm talking callers, I'm talking about people walking past the station. Has anyone, anywhere, said they have any confidence the Jets can win this week? I'm not talking about betting and fan duel and all that type of stuff. Even with the Colts and Phillip Rivers throwing, even with 11 and a half, has anyone, anywhere said you know what? I think the Jets are going to turn it around this week. I have not heard it. And I listen to a lot of the station, and I have not heard it. There are a I mean, wow. It is, I mean, it is that bad. It is that bad. And the one thing, at least just to keep it focused on the coach, because I don't think that the coach is the actual biggest problem, but just to focus on him for a second, this week, it's almost like every day he was giving us content to just be to just just scratch our head. Was this uh, Thursday or Wednesday? I'm not sure what day exactly he. This was Thursday. Okay, so all right, it's Saturday, but it's a new audience. He said this thing that just absolutely drove me up the wall. Right, Jets have all these injuries. Right, it's like a joke that they have all the. I mean, they play two games and the the is like the whole team is on the injured list. And really, it's almost becoming like a replay of last year. Last year, you lost to Buffalo in the opener, right? And then Sam went down, and they were completely non-competitive for the next for the three games that he missed. And then this year, lost to Buffalo. Uh, the whole bunch of guys went down, and you're not. It seems like you're not going to be competitive again until like week five. I think week five was the was the Cowboy game last year. I don't know who they play week five this year, but with the amount of injuries now, it's almost like everybody's just resigned to the fact that the the next few weeks is just going to be this bad. So then Adam Gase was was asked about the wide receivers. They're really banged up with wide receivers. And do you have the cut, Brian? Play the cut of what how he responded. We're down to whoever's available. Whoever's got a pulse right now, we're we're ready to go. Anyone with a pulse? And, and, And I don't know. It just, to me... It just strikes me of a, a woe is me attitude, almost like 
removing himself from blame. Like, hey, you know what? We're this banged up. What am I supposed to work with? You know, anybody with a pulse. And and that's the leader of the team. Like, it's almost like, oh, how we overcome this? Oh, I don't know. Leaders show you with deeds, generally, good leaders and people in your life, right, I think. People I've been around that I think are good leaders. They show you with deeds, but they also, I think it is how they carry themselves, right, in terms of body language. And it's one thing to, to, to be defeated, right, on a Sunday, but it's another thing, I think far worse, to just sound defeated even before you play the game. I mean, does the, when you hear Adam Gay speak, is that the kind of guy you think you want to run through a wall for? And imagine you're one of the, 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 the guys that's not hurt, right? You're going out there to play. And you hear your coach kind of – and this is not just one incident of this. It seems like this is a common theme with, with, with Adam Gase where it's like he removes himself from the – oh, well, you know what? I, I can only do so much. So you're one of the starters. Does that seem like the guy that – I think you're following. I think it's only out of morbid curiosity. And imagine you're one of the fill-ins. Like, hey, I'm, I'm one of the guys with the pulse. Damn, great. I get it. Week two, a lot can change, and eventually they'll get some guys back from, from being injured, and, and who knows? I, I guess they'll, they'll, they'll win some games here. But in terms of what the expectations were, which were low, even those expectations for the Jets apparently were way too high. Way too high. 1-800-919-ESPN is the phone number. So if you want to get in on the Jets, um, let's get some calls here. Uh, let's go out to uh, is it Ray is in Brooklyn. Ray, what's going on, my man? Good morning, Gordon. How's it going, man? Uh, it's it's going. I'm living the dream, my friend. Man, these these Jets, man, they're they're man. It's it's it, 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 it's it's hard it's hard to watch them, man. It's it, it's a uh, damn. I don't know if I could say the word, um, but it's it's definitely a bad show to watch. Yes. Um, I wish uh, Steve Cohen could uh, buy the Jets and. Bring in Paulie Podesta, who's now with Cleveland, um, and probably fix up fix up the whole the, the whole Jets regime. Um, I I don't understand the Johnson hiring Adam Gase um, just because Peyton Manning said like because he, he's he's he he had Peyton Manning had his best season under him, and and also because of Jay Cutler. But those are two quarterbacks who already had made a name for themselves. So I, I really don't understand that. Um, I'm a little scared. Um, I, it's like bittersweet this season. Like I really feel bad for Sam Darnold because I think he has all the potential to be a, a very, very good quarterback. But um, having the number one pick and 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 actually possibility of getting Trevor Lawrence, like it, it actually feels pretty good. But it, it can't happen under Adam Gates. So my real question is. Um, I don't know if you remember in the beginning of during the off season, Joe Douglas spoke to Sam Darnold's parents and mm-hmm. he said to them that he was going right, to take care of them. Right, yep. He'll protect them. So now it's scary because at the end of the day, NFL is a business. Like I like Sam, but I'd rather just move on, get Eric the enemy, um, started with a brand new quarterback, especially one of the best quarterbacks in the past 15 years, supposedly with Trevor Lawrence, have a brand new head coach and start all over. Um, but do you think that 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 promise to his parents might play in, and he might well, end up trading that pick? 
I, I Ray, Ray, I think that what he was actually referring to there was about the offensive line, right? The Jets' offensive line was laughably bad, and I think what Joe Douglas was meaning was that he was going to protect him from from injury. And and uh, yeah, sure, he wants to build a good team around his quarterback. But I don't think that he was meaning, hey, we're going to give you everything that is needed to turn around the Jets situation right away. It's, you know, there's a reason why Joe Douglas wanted a six-year contract. He realized properly that there is a lot to rebuild with this team. Now, you, you, you pick through a lot of things there, A, uh, you know, in terms of they're tough to watch. Uh, the, the fact that anybody was surprised that the ratings have been off on in Jet games, uh, I don't know uh, what they were thinking. But in terms of the quarterback, right? And Ray, thanks for the call. Uh, you're gonna have. It seems like you're gonna have a decision to make after this year, right? Again, a lot can change after two weeks. The Jets at some point will get healthy, and who knows? Maybe they'll win some games. But as things stand right now, and we're just talking in the right now at eight thirteen on a Saturday morning in late September, it feels like the Jets are gonna have that first pick. And if it turns out that they do have that first pick, they have a real conundrum. Do you? go out and take the quarterback who everybody thinks, or is it going to be no questions asked, or do you trade the pick for a boatload of picks to kind of supply? Here's the thing about Sam. Sam has not proven anything. Now, I know that there's this Sam cult out there of Jet fans where they are. it's not his fault, he's not to blame, there's nothing he can do. Nonsense. Nonsense. Steve Young was on the K show the other day, right? When, when is Steve on? Tuesdays? Mondays? I think he's supposed to be on Mondays. He was on Tuesday this week. And he said, Michael asked him the specific question, shouldn't a great quarterback be able to, in some ways, not completely, but in some ways, be able to outplay bad coaching? And Steve said, yeah. Like he was coming, Young was coming from a point of view of defending the quarterback and excusing the quarterback. But then when Michael posed that question, he said, well, that's kind of where you got me. Yeah, the, the quarterback does have to show you something. So at this point, it's still all about potential with Sam. He has not proven a single thing. But here's the problem with just simply saying we're going to move on from Sam. And you're one of these Trevor Lawrence, oh, I got to get Trevor Lawrence. Well, then aren't you basically doing, if you're somebody who excuses Sam's problems, right? It's Nothing's his fault. It's the line. It's the, the weapons. It's the receivers. It's the, the coach. Then aren't you basically just putting the, the new quarterback in the same position? Well, look, you're gonna, if you have the first pick, you're going to be moving on from the coach, right? He's, if, you, if the Jets get the first pick overall, there's no way that Adam Gase is going to be back for a third season. But leave that out. If you go and you say, well, we'll just take the court, we'll move Sam out, we'll move this quarterback in, and all right, we're going to have the first pick, so maybe we can add a couple other ones. But then you're essentially doing the same thing all over again. So it's not the, it's not the quick, easy fix that you think it is. Is I guess my point. Now, if it were me, I, if I'm the Jets, I'm going with the 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 no doubt about it, right? Whatever the no, whatever the least amount of the wiggle room there is in a conversation, and it's not so much what the Jets think about Trevor Lawrence. Basically, everyone else thinks that Trevor Lawrence. I trust everyone. If I were the Jets at this point, I'd be trusting everybody else's opinion on things rather than my own. And it seems like everybody else is willing to give Sam a bit of a pass too. But I think the, 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 the larger consensus is that Trevor Lawrence is can't miss. If we really want to test that theory, I can think of one way. All right, let's go to Mark in Newark. Mark, what's going on, my man? What's up, Gordon? I'm good, Mark. Hey. What's going on? Yeah, hey, uh, I'm, I'm here. good. I'm good. I'm listening to you as I usually do. Um, Thank you, man. I think that you said, does anybody think the Jets are going to turn it around after this week? I do. Mm-hmm. 
I think the okay. Jets are going to win. I mean, I mean, does anybody think they're going to turn it around this week against the Colts? You think they're going to win against the Colts? The Colts. I think okay. the Jets are going to win the game. And what I can't wait is for our two games with your not-so-good Dolphins either. So you heard it from me. The Jets are not only going to turn it around, we're going to finish above 500 this year. The Dolphins will not, and we're going to beat them both times. How about that? Okay. Look, the Dolphins are still in the middle of a rebuilding situation, and their season, to me, as a fan, does not really begin until Tua plays. So, uh, Why exactly is Tua not playing? Well, because uh, he's coming off the hip injury, right? And uh, they want to make sure that he, he's a rookie quarterback. You don't have to have rookie quarterbacks start right away. It's still a rebuilding situation. Their offensive line is being rebuilt. So they want all these things to kind of, you know, kind of gel in a weird year before you throw what they hope is going to be the franchise quarterback out there to, um, I'm certainly sure, to get hurt again. But, um, you know, in terms of the Jets... Just know that, and if you want the, the Jets to be turning things around, and, and you believe that they are, that that just increases the odds that Adam Gase is back. You realize that, right? And, and, and by us turning it around, I absolutely believe that. I think we, we're gonna, a lot of our draft picks are going to show up Sunday. We're going to start to play players like Cager and Piran. I think that uh, Jabiri's going to play. I think that it's going to be the kids' show. We're going to get rid of Frank Gore's. 17 carry days are over. I oh, no. Oh, no. Mark, I, I know we don't know each other that well. I hope in life, and I can say this as someone who watched Gase with Miami, I hope in life that you somewhere, somehow, find someone who loves you the way Adam Gase loves Frank Gore. I mean, that, that, that's all I can hope for for you, as, as just a, a fellow human being who wants the best for other, other people. I can't wait. I can't wait till Sunday. You know we'll talk again. All right, Mark. Well, look, uh, Mark is the, you know, we run these poll questions during the the Monday through Friday show. And we ran one where we asked uh, the level of confidence. Like, who do you have more confidence in? And it was uh, Christopher Johnson, the owner, uh, the uh, the coach, Adam Gase, or a Magic 8-Ball. And uh, I think it was 97 or 98% of people said the Magic 8-Ball, which I have sitting right here. We asked it uh, during the week. Somebody asked a question to the Magic 8-Ball of, uh, do you uh, trust the Jets would be able to uh, develop Trevor Lawrence if they do get the number one pick and select him? And I think the, I'm almost positive the answer was, don't count on it. So that the, the Magic 8-Ball already, uh, it seems like, it's tough to know for sure, it seems like the Magic 8-Ball is often, uh, often running, as we say. So, um, look, uh, Mar- sometimes in these poll questions we wonder, who could possibly vote for this, for, for this one or that one? Mark is your answer. Now, I, I would have to look at the, the guy's roster, but uh, nobody has told me uh, that I shouldn't do it. We've only really had one call on the subject, but uh, he did not say, no, you absolutely should not do that. So, uh, sometimes I feel like that's, a, that's, a, that's approval. Like, yeah, you should, it's a bending of the rules, but you know what? The rules are made to be bended, right? Or bent. I'm not breaking them. All right, it is the Gordon Damer Show. It is 98.7 FM ESPNU. I would ask the Magic 8-Ball, but i got to be honest, this Magic 8-Ball that I purchased off Amazon, uh, it's a little, uh, little shady. It's a little fugazi, like the, 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 the little cube thing in there. Very difficult to read. Magic 8-Ball, should I uh, offer this trade proposal to uh, in my fantasy league to someone who's running for office and uh, I could uh, maybe... He would secure my vote by simply giving me his best player. Let's see. Magic 8-Ball. Let me see. The cube, it never comes up clear. Ask again later. 
Look, I, I I don't know who made the Magic Eight Ball. Feels like there's too many of those, right? Like ask again later. Later, the 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 answer is fuzzy right now or hazy or something. Just give me yes or no. Put the whole just yes or no answers on the cube. Don't be eight ball. All right, net picks and chill picks. Uh, we've been doing this on Fridays because we haven't had a Saturday show. I've, I've been doing it on Saturday, but I've just been screaming it into the air, and not that many people have heard it. So I would say uh, the the past selections that I've had, The Vow on HBO fantastic documentary series about the uh, the Nixium self-improvement program. It's been in the news. It's a spoiler alert. It's not really a spoiler. It turns out it's a cult. Uh, they, the episode, I mean, it, it's like the first episode you'll watch, and at least for me, I was like, well, this is, uh, this is pretty good. This, is a, this program seems like it works. I, maybe I should get involved in it, and then it turns out it's a cult. So I'm not really giving anything away there. But if you've ever wondered, especially the Jet fans, and I think that this is why it's pertinent now, for the Jet fans that are in the Sam Darnold cult, you wonder, how could anyone ever get involved in a cult? This documentary shows you, like, the slippery slopes. That, the vow on HBO, love it. Uh, Lovecraft Country on HBO, it's kind of like horror slash, I guess, sci-fi. Very strong open. I'm starting to get a little worried about that one, but still very good. And then the other one that is very, uh, very bingy, is uh, Cobra Kai on Netflix. I think most people are already kind of watched that. People were telling me about it for a while. It, w- it used to be on YouTube, uh, and I, j- I just couldn't make that leap. I watch YouTube for, you know, dopey videos and, and this thing and that thing, or NFL highlights, but I'm not watching a television show. But it's a fun, like, kind of, especially if you're of a certain age and you remember the, um, the Karate Kid movies, it's kind of a little bit of a nostalgia trip. I've started two others. I'm not ready to give the uh, the official seal of approval, though. I finally have um, taken the leap and started The Boys on uh, Amazon Prime. A lot of people have raved about it. I watched the, uh, the opening episode very, very strong. But ever since the uh, Yuri Haji fiasco that we had a couple of months ago, I, I realize I can't really suggest shows before I really have a, a real good read on them. So that's one that uh, is in the can that you know, I'm working on right now. Also, Love Fraud is a documentary series on uh, Showtime about um, a guy that marries women, takes their money, and then leaves them. So those are two that I'm I'll give you, we're going to be back next Saturday, assuming that I don't say anything in the next, I don't know, 20 minutes or so to get me in trouble. So that's uh, net picks and chill for this week. You're listening to the Gordon Damer show podcast on 98.7 ESPN.